So welcome to the Get the Notice podcast. Today, my guest is Cage Warriors uh, lightweight champion, uh, ex-Cage Warriors lightweight champion, sorry, um, ex-UFC star, Modestas, how are you? Yeah, doing good, thank you. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, mate, I'm good. Um, just before we came on, uh, we had a slight little conversation um, about the unfortunate news this week. Mm. With everything going on and stuff like that, how 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 are you uh, around this? Obviously, it's a bit like a bit of shit. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I've done it. I've done a YouTube video, and I think I actually explain coming out at four PM. By the way, uh, just obviously, I don't know when the when the podcast is going out, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be putting up on on YouTube sort of my thoughts as well. But to break it down, realistically, um, it's a shit time like it's not good you're going to go through the dark times you know there's been the crying the being upset but essentially i had the time to be really upset about it which was the evening when i found out but then you know i, I talked to my manager about how we're going to go forward we've already you know we, we're ready to talk about what plan we're going to do but the goal is to get back into the ufc so uh, i know what i need to do in order to be able to get that and my goals have just now adjusted slightly so as sad and painful as it is, like, even though on the back end of it, you know, people are saying, oh, well, you could look at it, oh, well, he's lost three in a row, well, surely, you know, that, that that a guy like that should be, but there's other guys who have lost, you know, three, or they're one and three in the UFC and they've still kept them and they're older and this and that. So obviously, yeah, in some ways you could say, oh, yeah, but, but look, the UFC believed in me to go out and perform in these particular fights that I had because I had a lot of potential, but then, uh, it was my job to go out and perform. And unfortunately, you know, like with the Oleg Shechuk fight, a lot of people said I won that fight, but no one gives a shit about anything in this world aside from results. So I didn't win that fight. Uh, same with Khalil. Oh, there's an injury, a bleak kick. Oh, this, that. At the end of the day, I lost. You know, it doesn't matter what injury it was or this or that. Uh, the point is on paper, it doesn't look good. They gave me so many chances and I wasn't able to go out and do it. I talked so many times about I just need to go out there and perform to my full capabilities and, and bigging myself up because I believe in myself and I know I'm capable of that, but I, I wasn't able to do it. So the key now is to be able to learn to really unlock it. And maybe I need to do that outside the UFC before I can go out and compete against the highest level. You can also argue that the fights that I was given were not the, uh, were not the easiest first couple of fights to probably take as your first four fights in the UFC but again it's like you know or you could say oh yeah like you know try and work your way up and stuff like that but now I know for the future I know for the future when I come back we ain't rushing nothing I wanted to get into the spotlight and get in there straight away and make and make a statement as a as you would want to do um, like I say it's though it's not down to a lack of skill set it's down to a something that I need to get from within myself and mentally as well when I go in there to literally no mercy. But I think having these events happen to me has made me numb up here, like in a good way. Like it's made me now more numb to the fact that, you know, it's a ruthless cutthroat business. They don't give a shit. They only care about you going out to perform and that's it. doesn't matter what the story is behind it or this or that. You perform, you get rewarded. You don't, and you don't have to do no one a favor. Like it doesn't if there's an opponent that you don't want to take, there's so many other guys that have declined fights. I took every single fight, but I still got cut. So it's like, do you know what? I'm gonna do what I need to do for you know business wise to go and uh, do the thing. But like I said, I I I understand why they did it. 
so and it's understandable because I'm more frustrated at myself for not going out and performing the way I should. So I know that I got what I got to do. Um, we've already got a plan set to it. I had the first evening where, like I said, I was like very upset, you know, like, you know, really like, you know, the water gates were truly flowing, but next day train straight away with my dad back on it and uh, planning my steps forward and focusing on other things as well. I've got a job lined up as well. So at the end of the day, it's a, it's a shit situation, but I'm going to come back and it's going to make for one hell of a better comeback story. To, to be fair, at the age of 27 um, as well, it's not like you're 34, 35, that it is last, last saloon, if you like. Uh, one thing I was going to mention was the caliper of fighters you were given in your first four fights. Um, obviously, we saw the first fight where it was the re re incarnation of the elbows like uh, the case body is very very similar if not exactly the same um and then jimmy crute who is no mug doing he is a very very good fighter um i think he won the split decision um this is something once again do we do we see it from a little bit of a biased thing seeing a, a uk fighter i don't know and uh, round trees. I mean, it, once again, um, <laughs> I feel like some fighters do get a little bit of leeway. There's people there with worse records, and they're not really being given the cut. Um, but you look at the two or five division in other organisations at the moment. There's some good dudes around there, especially you look mm. at Bellator. You got uh, Johnson, Romero, um, Ryan Bader. Um, it was not someone else in the um, is it Nemkov? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're savages. Do you know what I mean? And if you if it's pay as well, then <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's also that conversation that a lot of people are currently having about the pay um, and fighters' pay and what they should be paid and all this. Um, one thing you mentioned there, I'm gonna go back a little bit is. You said you went training with your father. So I've seen it on your social media, how close uh, and the relationship you have with him, uh, the support that you've got for each other is not just one way. It's both ways, to be fair with you. Um, what has that been like then? Because obviously, I'm pretty sure every majority, if not all your conversations will be going through with your father and everything. Uh, what's that like then? At the so have, to have like your father in your corner and to train you and everything like that? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of training, we my dad's always finding new and innovative ways to be able to train whilst compromise. He's been doing it for my whole career, actually, because I, you know, I went into the Khalil fight with a knee with a knee injury already, and obviously it just got exacerbated when I, you know, from the kick in the fight. But we had to obviously alter certain things to be able to adapt to that, or alter certain things. And my dad's very good at that. He's very good at adapting to um to things to be able to adjust my training so i mean as you can see from all the videos we've just adjusted if i can't pivot i can't stand or i can't do this okay we'll do it from sitting we'll do all these different things that are going to make me stronger and better uh in the long run and all geared towards mma it's mad before when i was just trying to get big i used to love them bro workouts just freaking oh yeah a bit, bit of curls chest press and 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 shit like that when you go to the gym but then now i'm like 
I can't, not to say that I don't enjoy it, but when I go to, with my mates to the gym, I'm like, how can I make this MMA orientated? I don't think at all about doing a bro workout anymore. I'm always thinking, how can I make this towards my sport now? And it's mad that how that change of obviously mentality, but it's just, but with my dad, it's perfect because everything he's doing, essentially everything he's doing is geared towards MMA. So nothing to just pump the muscles. It's everything to do with how we, how are we going to get the most out of you? Okay. How are you going to use your upper body now to, to be able to do these particular movements now that you haven't got your legs, how are we going to adjust it? So he's, he's always, he's always thinking on his toes, man. And I love it. And, it's, I'm very lucky. I mean, he's in my house. Literally, we say, "Oh, Dad, what time do you want to train?" All right, we'll train this time, and then we just get on it. And he's always got a plan in his head, and you know, so I'm very fortunate because I know not a lot of people. Well, no one really has that, really. So it's it's really good. And then obviously the conversations about career and what we're going to do next. We're always we're always talking to each other about that about those sort of things. You know, when I told him about the decision straight away we're just like all right so so how, what we're we going to do next and what has the manager said and how we're we going to and then you know just how's the training going to look like when i come back and oh i want you to do this and you know he puts his passion into everything so we're always very close in that regard and you know some people say oh yeah you need to go train with different people but it's the dad's it's my dad's type of training that's always made me perform at my best because he knows me the best and he gives me intricate things that no one's ever seen before or, or things that will literally bring the best out of me because he's been training for such a long time, which other coaches, you know, I don't think they'll be able to pull it out of me. So um, this is where I truly, truly believe that the team will be going strong and it's the same team that's going to get us back into the UFC. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of them where you're, you know what you're capable of your team know what you're capable of. if you take that away and go to a new team who don't know you don't know anything it it might not i mean it could go completely opposite way um but let's go a little bit further back to the beginning um what made you want to become an mma fighter when you were growing up and stuff like that were you in, in school and stuff were you in trouble and stuff or what was it <sighs> no i i and this is something that, again, I'm going to, from this particular situation and other situations that have happened in my life as of late, uh, I've learned that I need to become not not an arsehole, but you need to be more mean. Like, I'm too nice. Like, I've been like that my whole life, but it's because of the way I've been brought up. I've been brought up um, to be, you know, courteous, respectful, polite, and this and these things, which I will never lose. I'll never lose that. Um, I'll I'll always be that 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 same person. But when it comes to certain situations or people trying to take advantage of you or this or that, I'm gonna see right through that shit. And not only that, like so that comes obviously from life experience. But you need to you need to sort of be able to bring those things uh, into the cage. But anyway, so yeah, like I've always started when I was younger. Obviously, being brought up in a good way and this and that, and then discipline was taught from the get go. You know, from five years old, whether I liked it or not, I was training kickboxing and sambo and everything that my dad wanted me to do. So obviously, because at the beginning, this is where I actually think it's probably missing in the modern modern era is almost to force kids to be disciplined in certain situations. Because I feel like right now, I, I mean, look, let's let's just be real. I mean, the 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 as the generations go on, they become more soft, like, and you know, there, there's nothing. Like 
because people that like finding it so hard to just be able to, like I say, be disciplined or do certain things or be, like I say, polite, courteous and this and that. But it's like, I've been brought up the harsh way, the tough way. Do you know what I mean? Like I was forced into the sport, which I then sort of just learned to love after, after a while. But even then, like, look, I wanted to try other sports and stuff like that, which, you know, I wish now looking back that I would have just continued doing fighting. But at the same time, would I have then, I wouldn't have went to America for two years and stuff like that. So essentially I, I played other sports. I was still competing in kickboxing. My last British kickboxing title, I won when I was 14, um, not training fully, like full time for it. I was, like I say, doing basketball and stuff. Then I went to America for two years. And then my goal in life has always been, I want to be a professional athlete. I want to be, and I want to perform at the top, the top of the top at that particular sport. So um, basketball, you know, that didn't work out. American football could have been, but I stopped playing halfway through the season and uh, other sports that I tried. So at 18 years old, I just finished high school in America. I'm coming back home. I'm not going to college. In, or basically the decision was either go to college in America um, or come back home. And my decision was talking to my dad. He goes, listen, you can be a real, you know, you can be a real threat in this sport. So just come back home and get back to training. So as soon as, as soon as I was 18, I went back home. That was it. That was all she wrote. We went back into the MMA thing. So I've always been involved in martial arts my whole life. So that's always made me, it's always made me better at picking up techniques and stuff like that. So it's always, it's always helped. But yeah, it's been, it's been something that's been churning inside me, I guess you could say for a very long time, but I was never, I mean, I got into fights, but it's mad because 50 Cent said it's usually the ones that aren't looking to get into a fight that always end up in a fight. Um, and that was me. I, I was never looking to get into a fight, but people always wanted to, you know, because I was this nice kid. They're like, why is he so fucking nice? Like, do you know what I mean? And they, they would almost get annoyed at that. And I'm like, surely that that shouldn't be a, a threat to you. You know what I mean? And it was. And then I'd I'd get into school fights and stuff like that. But you know, as time gone on, I think I've gotten more. I've gotten bigger. I got more confident and stuff like that. And then I wouldn't really face those sort of problems. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think obviously because I've always been the nice kid, that's just my persona. It's hard to, because you've been molded like that. Like I just learned how to go in and compete and that was it. But I need to bring a bit more of a, uh, like I say, a bit more of a ruthless attitude. And like I say, I can already feel it start to creeping through my body. It's almost like, you know, you got Gryffindor and Slytherin. I'm too Gryffindor. I need to be a bit slivering, do you know what I mean? So um, quite similar to what um, McGregor was saying um, when he was around the family and stuff. Uh, was it for the one of his fights where he said he was it was very difficult to be training all day and then going home and seeing the kids to then go back to training and he couldn't switch off um, and he couldn't keep that violence inside him because he'd have to go home and put the kids to bed and all this and it's very similar in what you're saying, isn't it? Into keeping that violence inside that thing and it's it's really as you say it's a doggy dog business and yeah. it is a business it's an entertainment like it or not it's an entertainment business as well and this is where i'll just point out that um this is why obviously i'm doing the youtube and all this other stuff but this is where i won't lose my personality so this is where the, there's yin and the yang right like again, the yin side where you're, you know, you're sort of very nice, you're polite and this, or my personality, I'm a bit of a goofball as I'm sure a load of people are, but like, I like to express myself. I'm very confident. These, these are all good things. These are all yin stuff, but the yang bit 
that's where you need to have that switch for when you fight. So the entertainment side, in terms of my personality, I'll show from that yin side, but the yang side, the entertainment qualities is when I get into the cage, I need to go and destroy people. So um, I have all the abilities to do it as well. So we just need to take our time and figure out what those things are to let it out of me. But like I said, me and my dad are already figuring out the uh, the strategies to, 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 to achieve that. Because there's so many different, as I said, so many different organizations at the moment now where there's competitors and there's routes to the UFC. It doesn't have to be through Cage Warriors or um, Bellator anymore. It, through one and Ryzen, there's loads of different ways now. And a lot of, I, th- I feel like a lot of fighters will be, exp- like when they come to, um, if they were to get cut or go to free agent, would explore before trying to renegotiate with the UFC. Because um, you'll see now Nick, Nate Diaz, he's only got one fight left. He'll make a lot more money if he went to Bellator. He'll make loads more money um, with sponsorships and stuff as well. Um, but talking around money and stuff, with you being injured, um, one of the questions that was put in was, how do the UFC look after fighters who are injured? Um, obviously, we had a brief discussion before um, around that. Yeah, so they obviously we're under their health insurance. One thing that the UFC does that no other promotion does, there's a lot of perks to being in the UFC. I mean, they talk about pay and this and that, but look, you fight, you go and perform, you go and be entertaining, you're going to get more money. It's as simple as that. That's how the game goes. You, you can make a hell of a lot of money. It's just down to you to go and make your money, essentially, have a good management and, um, uh, and, 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 the, and this and that. Uh, sorry, what was the question again? I, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. I just said around the... Um, uh, about, got uh, you, but um, pay for the injury, yeah. So, so yeah, obviously, for, there's an excess, obviously, for when you're just in training and you get injured and, and they cover most of that kind of stuff. Medicals as well, They the um, no, medicals we have to pay for. But when it comes to like a fight and an injury, they cover everything when it comes to physio, when it comes to... Um, when it comes to actual surgery itself, I mean, it was a very expensive surgery. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking, I mean, I don't even want to go into figures, but like it was a lot of money. <laughs> like when I say it's a lot of money, it was a lot of money. So the, the UFC are very helpful with that. They're, they're really, like I say, I'm very grateful to have, you know, such amazing people. And not only that they pay for everything, they also get you the best treatment possible so you know going to harley street and luckily i had a contact from harley street anyways but to to get that done straight away and with the best doctors with the best materials and all this kind of stuff you can't really ask for better so when people talk about oh the uc should take care of their fighters they they bloody do (laughs) do you know what i mean like i know there's all this talk and this and that but you know you don't know unless you're in the ufc and you you know you've seen it all and uh Obviously, I've seen it all, and they've helped me out with everything that I've needed in terms of taking care of my injuries and 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 my troubles. Uh, you know, sort of outside the cage. So they are very good with all of that. And like I said, they, you know, although I've I've now just been released, um, they'll still cover everything to do with this injury because it happened in the fight. Um, so that's a you know I'm grateful for all of that. So obviously, once this injury I've been cleared by doctors, then obviously. That's that. Yeah. Um, the good thing is that all their red- medical records are kept in the same place, so they'll I can then 
bring that back to to obviously my manager who can then send that off anyway. So it's good. It's it's a very good system. Like people don't understand how like especially when you're in the UFC how lucky you are to have all of those things available to you. Even at the Performance Institute, it's available to everyone 24/7. The best physios and stuff like that. Like obviously that's in Vegas, you know, we live a little bit far away to be able to access all of that, but you know, when you're there, you you get treated like a king. So, uh like I say, this is why I definitely want to get back to the UFC. Yeah, um, and I had a conversation um, not too long ago with someone talking about the uh, UFC and the pay, and um, he said the UFC also give the fighters a platform, a free platform. They can pr- pr- um, pretty much put whatever they want on their social media to make money. If they if you've not got a business to run, ready was to get that platform sort of thing and that um, exposure. That's also a lot down to the fighter not to have something there as even if it's um, T-shirts or something just to generate some sort of money. Um, and it was very strong with the fact that there is there is enough benefits, if you like, from the UFC. So we spoke a little bit uh, before as well about your uh, jiu-jitsu. Um, obviously, I watch the Roger Gracie app quite often uh, and I've seen you train and spar with him how how is that because that like for me who uh, is quite new to the jiu-jitsu scene um that's like one of the doing you know I mean, the go to the, the thing uh-huh. training with him it's just like everyday thing for you how is that yeah he's uh he's oh there's not enough 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 no two ways about it. he's he's the goat for a reason he's an animal um like positions where you think you could potentially get out, you're just getting yourself out to get caught by another move. So he's he's a he's a very methodical thinker and he's very simplistic. He doesn't do no crazy shit. He just gets straight on with with doing the 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 techniques that are going to be effective. And every move that he does is effective. And when he's on top of you, and especially if he's on mount, you are literally like you're in you're underwater, like you're drowning. That's what you feel like. You feel like you're drowning and. In a lot, so even if you take him down, he's straight on the neck. If you, you know, everything, he, like his wrestling's very good. He's very powerful, very strong, very, you know. There's so many attributes that he has. Even, you know, if you could possibly say, oh well, you know, he's already done with his competing days. He's past his prime. Fucking, he'll he'll beat everyone in the jiu-jitsu scene now if he wanted to. He's that good. He's literally that good. And uh, obviously, it's an absolute honor to be able to to be able to train with people like that. Uh, funny enough, just uh, just seen uh, Hodger Gracie like one of my photos on Instagram, so shout out to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's, uh, and he's a lovely guy. But yeah, he that's another thing. He knows how to turn on the switch, especially when he competes. He knows how to turn on the switch. Like he, it's mad because when you roll with him, he sort of plays with you a little bit. Like, because he knows, he knows, but it's a very competitive sort of thing that he does but it's it's great but you can see when he needs to switch it on he can switch it on but there's a reason why he's the goat because he's technically the most sound guy i've ever grappled with by far and he doesn't even need leg locks to do that even though he knows it does he talk to with you like help you or like do you know what i mean like give you tips and stuff whilst he's just going he's going into s mount and like that and he's just talking to you like, like you could do this but i'm just going to counter it here um 
he he you know, he he just he just makes jokes with you. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily tell you. Sometimes in a position like he'll be serious and you'll say, "Listen, do this. Like if if you want to get out of this, do that or whatever." But when he's rolling with you and like I say, you're just competing for the round or whatever. He just he just he just makes jokes about it. He's like, "Oh, you can't get your arm free now, can you?" <laughs> like <laughs> you know, he just sort of you know, it's like gamesmanship. It's it's funny. It's uh. It makes the training cool, makes it fun. Obviously, it's annoying, but at the same time, you know, it's uh, it's good. Uh, I, I love it because it, it makes training fun. Do you know what I mean? You, sometimes it's monotonous and boring training like a maniac all the time. So it's nice to have a bit of that playful side in there as well, which obviously he's, he's the king at. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like a cat and mouse sort of game anyway. Just exactly. About. He, yeah, he's playing with his food before he eats it, right? Yeah. Um, you, one thing... Uh, I asked when um, Hodge was on uh, a podcast, but I, um, I want to ask you as well, have you got like a fight day ritual or fight day like superstition that something has to be the same, something that might be completely weird, but it has to be that sort of structure? Uh, I don't think that, for me, there doesn't. Like there's things that I would do, like I would pray all the time and uh, like visualize and just be in. I don't think those any of those play a factor. It's like having sex before a fight. That doesn't play a factor, really. I mean, yeah, if you feel that perhaps your testosterone, for some people, they need to they need to you know do that to release and to relax to help them to fight better. Some people they don't. I mean, it just I think it's very different person to person. This is why me in terms of rituals, I've never done I've never really done anything similar. There's things that I like to do that I would do more often. Like I like to sit and eat my breakfast with my headphones on, watch some YouTube videos. Uh, but realistically, you're just trying to get yourself close into the mind frame. Like I usually try and stay quite relaxed and 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 stuff like that. But I don't know. If it was, sometimes I guess you could say it almost feels different every like every single time as well. Like you're doing the same thing, but like there's certain different things and there's certain different feelings. Sometimes one day you could feel absolutely amazing, another day you won't. It's such a volatile, crazy thing that obviously I know trying to keep things as similar as possible might be able to help people but again it's it's different person to person so for me i don't necessarily feel there's like one or two things that maybe i'll do similar like i said like eating the breakfast and you know like putting my headphones on youtube then going and watching particular fights and stuff like that just to get me in the mode um you know and praying before a fight and stuff like that um but aside from that really um it's and then yeah you know as soon as we get to the arena you know and and you know you're you're warming up and everything. It's just yeah, it's just ready to go. Um, but like I said, I think one thing that would definitely help me that I should make a very consistent thing is to go to a much darker place, like to go to a place where I need to you know almost like I know Denison Sutherland. Um, I was in his corner for one of his fights, and he would like literally beat up his training partner before he went out there, but and it, it was like bloody hell he's literally like just being a crap out of him but it was how what he needed to do to go into the fight to be able to put his best performance out there to get in like I say in that zone so to get in that zone I think there would need to be some sort of things that are just going to just make me a mean motherfucker and like I said I think that goes from just perhaps in my daily routine and life just you know be nice when you need to, but be an arsehole when you need to. So it's a bit of a bit of both, like I said, a bit of both worlds. So I'm definitely going to start adding that in before fights for sure. Yeah, no, no, no. it's same with the, is it Nathaniel Wood that gets slapped in the face before he goes in? <laughs> yeah, by uh, by Brad Pickett. It's mad, Brad isn't Pickett. it? There we go. 
but yeah, it, it, it wakes you up. It wakes you up, doesn't it? Little, little things like right, it's it's go time, isn't it? It's go time when them gloves are on, um, hands are wrapped, and everything like that. You know, it's it's yeah. time to go as well. Um, when you were growing up, then was there a fighter? Um, I'm going to say fighter because I I kind of I could kind of guess why if I was to ask uh, not uh, well, so we'll do one of each. Who was a hero, non-fight related, which I kind of guess who that would be, uh, and fight related? Have you got someone that you looked up to? Well, I mean, if I've always looked up to my dad, so that's that's obviously the num the the number one thing that I would say. He's always been a massive inspiration to me, not only because he was a fighter, but because of all the things that he's accomplished. Um, if we're talking fighter uh, as well, like you're talking like more of a current sort of fighter, um, I've always looked up to John Jones, like since day one. I remember I was watching him working at Mazuma Mobile when I was like 18 years old. He was winning titles and shit. That for me was a big, big deal. I used to freaking love him. I used to watch all of his videos. Um, still do. Um, so that's another one. And um, I don't know if we're looking at... And Michael Jordan, like someone that I've looked up to just because of his work, work ethic. And again, you look at... I just was talking with a friend about this the other day, um, watching uh, Save the Last Dance... Uh, not Save the Last... The Last Dance, sorry. Yes. And um, like he was a he was a dick to all of his teammates, but that's what it took to win. So, um, and he did a lot of things differently. And his trainer Tim Grover, I've actually read one of his books. Like he would do things completely different for him to be able to get him to get the most out of himself, like eating steak before games and and stuff like that. But anyways, Michael Jordan was a massive inspiration for a long, 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 long time. So, my dad, John Jones, and Michael Jordan. I will always say. Other than GSP, a drug fueled John Jones was the best John Jones we'll ever see. A drug fueled uh, John the Jones. When John Jones was, he, he was untouchable at that, that level when he was just completely nuts. Um, what was the first UFC fight you, you remember watching then? Because mine would be Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin. I remember, I think that was 2011, 2009, 2011, something like that. If it it wasn't Chuck Liddell, it was probably Anderson Silva. I remember vividly when I was getting into MMA watching Anderson Silva. And every time me and my dad would watch him, I literally thought he was unbeatable. I literally thought, is anyone going to beat this guy? And mad to think, he only got to the UFC when he was 31. And And look at what he did. He freaking took over the scene, won the title straight away, and there you go. So, um, obviously, the 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 landscape has changed since then. Obviously, he got straight into a title contention fight from not having fought in the UFC, whereas now it's completely different. But still, yeah, watching him was was probably my earliest like bit, and watching the Ultimate Fighter where Michael Bisping was competing, yeah. that was also one one thing I remember watching it with my dad every single week and thinking these guys are absolute bloody nutters and thinking like and at that time I wasn't even thinking about being a fighter but just watching it I was just so entertained by it that was one of the best seasons I think along along with like the first season I think the first season was probably one of one of the better ones um with Diego Sanchez so uh yeah man some Making me go all nostalgic here, but uh, yeah, there's some really, really, really cool stuff there for sure. But Anderson Silva for me has always been, like I said, big time guy 
in, in terms of the first person that I watched. And at 205, do you mean maybe one day you might, you might end up in the ring with him? <laughs> oh, well, Anderson Silva. Um, he's uh, retired but he's still fighting at, uh, he's doing the boxing and stuff now he's so yeah he's doing boxing I think listen but you know by the time I get back and, and you know he, my goal is to get back to the UFC so you know and you know he's he's not going back to the UFC he's, no. you know, he's going to be very stuck on boxing but f- bloody hell for, for him to be at the age that he is I think 44 and now he's boxing and, and killing it I mean look George Foreman was 46 when he when he won the title wasn't he so uh, it just shows he he takes care of his body. He trains hard, and you know, and now his son's doing well. It's just amazing to see all of that. Like the legacy lives on from the spider for sure. And it, it it's one of them where he's invested so much money, same as Michael Jordan, invested so much money into things that benefit him and invest into himself. Um, like Michael Jordan spending three million pounds a year just on a nutritionist, just to give him the best of the best. Mm, mm, mm. that's what you it's what you need as a competitive edge you've got to be selfish and uh nutrition is obviously a uh, a big part of that the only thing is it's like you know when when money's a bit tight and everything you can't have those things you literally just got to make the most of the situation that you're given um obviously if i had that much money i would but i would do the same thing do you know what i mean you i would do the same thing to get the most out of myself so it's understandable that he would do those things and that's what he thought that would give him that extra edge over that little one percent, if you like. He thought if he could mm. beat everyone else in that one percent of field, um, that he would improve his game to a level that they can compete at. Which is silly how how uh, how much he elevated and just basically yeah, me. no doubt. Well, he he showed how dominant he was. He showed how much that that all played a part. You know, that was one of the pieces to the puzzle of him being the greatest of all time. So, um, when you decided on your nickname, was it decided by yourself or was it given to you? It's one thing I'm like... What's that, sorry? With your nickname. Uh, the Oh, the nickname. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it was a bit of kind of given to me and a bit it wasn't. So, I, I was asking people like, Oh, you know, like, like, what nickname should I have? And nothing really rang true to me at all. And I was like, what? Like, you know, and I, I was just like, oh, well, something will pop up at some point, right? And then just before my UFC debut, I took a picture, of me looking all jacked, right? And then, um, and uh, one guy, a Lithuanian, um, like artist or a Lithuanian graphic designer, put up a put up a a, a photo saying the gladiator from the or i said i'm looking like a gladiator and i think he said uh, um a gladiator from the baltic states and i was like do you know what that's actually that's actually quite quite a really good tone to it the baltic gladiator and 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 me and him like decided on that and i'll I'll just freaking roll with it and i think it's probably you know when you hear you know bruce buffer calling it out i mean there's no better feeling than that especially when he's like screaming it like right next to you like it's freaking next level so yeah uh I'm I'm very happy with that because it gives me that uniqueness. No one else has been called that before, and uh, it gives my own little twist on it. Because you know, obviously, I was born in Lithuania, so it gives me that's where the Baltic part comes from. You know, so right, okay. I was uh, that's what my next question was. Where does the Baltic come from? Then obviously, you mm. you've gone straight into that. What's it like then when you're in the octagon uh, and you stood there, cage closed, and Bruce Buffer starts doing his thing? Uh, it's mad. Uh, it's 
is you're you're filled with a load of different emotions. Um, I think every fight I've had different emotions, like sort of going in there. Uh, it's a bit of a calm before the storm, if you will. There's a lot of nerves, there's a lot of butterflies, but then as soon as you you're sort of in the fight, you're in the fight, um, and then yeah, I don't know. It, it's like you're looking across the cage from your opponent, and you're just you just feel almost nothing. You just you, you know that you're gonna have to go there and fight him in a minute. So you're just like you're just getting ready, like you know what you have to do. Like it's scary, exciting, and almost frustrating at the same time because you're like, I just want to get on with it now. Do you know what I mean? Forget all this announcing and names. Let me just go at him. You know. Yeah. Um, take so quite yeah, a while sometimes can't it to to do if you're the first person in as well, it can take quite a while. You can cool down mm-hmm. quite a bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you have to you you, but your mind and your body's in such a state of like fright or flight that you're just like literally you have to you're 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 going there. You have to choose between fucking fight or fr- or, or or flight. And obviously, whenever you get in there, it's always switch to the fight button because you can't do anything else do you know what i mean so um yeah man it's it's it is a really crazy feeling um but i wouldn't have it any other way and i know as time get goes on um as as time goes on i'll get even better at handling that and like i said when i bring this a bit this bit of ferocity and ruthlessness into the mix uh, it's going to make me bring a better, a much better fighter out of myself. So, uh, and I think it just goes from the fact of anytime I'll go into a fight thinking enter action with boldness. I don't know if you've ever read the 48 Laws of Power, but that's one one of the things from that book and doing everything as crazy as can be, like putting your whole heart, like even, you know, doing bloody take me out, like, that was one of the scariest things I've ever done just because from a confidence standpoint, I've never had to do anything like that. And, you know, like fighting seemed like a natural thing, but that, I think you, like when you conquer those, those demons and you conquer certain things, you, you do things and like literally put yourself out there wholeheartedly, like in fighting, that's, that's what makes you, you have to, I definitely feel you have to have that mindset because when you got to go in there, you got about, fuck this, I'm going to throw some crazy stuff. I'm going to do whatever or, you know, you got to be, you got to embrace yourself fully. So that would be something I'll be bringing um, into my next fights. Uh, so this is it. You just, you just have to find a way to unlock it. So these are the things I'll be working on leading up to my return. Can we just rewind a minute? You just said you were on take me out. Oh, I knew, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I, I wondered if I should have just paused there for a second and let you ask, let you ask something. Don't, don't uh, skip over this. Um, first of all, how many lights will stayed on? Uh, there were twenty nine when I came down the lift. They 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 cut it out on TV. I had the best I had the best comeback line, but they freaking cut it. I don't know why. It was literally if they could have left anything in there, they should have left that line in there because I looked like a freaking donut on my bloody day even though we both said likey or whatever you want to bloody call it but um she so i came down the list she goes oh i think you're really good looking but you've got no you've got no facial hair so i said what i lack in facial hair i'll make up for in charisma and then everyone's like "Ooh," and i'm just like um i'm just like why did they cut that out of tv they cut it out from the tv because obviously in on the live show they sort of they go through every single person and, you know, they, they, they kind of make a little event out of it. 
but on TV, they obviously cut a load of parts and, you know, put in what they think is the best sort of things and, and stuff like that. But it was quite cool, obviously, doing the little act thing with Paddy and, um, you know, then obviously going, but it was done within three days. Within three days, I was, I was on the show, Tenerife the next day. Then uh, after that night was over, back the next morning. So for one night, you were there for one night and that was it. What was your song coming down then? Is it the same songs you have? Yeah, Ned, Ned, Nelly, Hot in Hill. Is it? Yeah. Don't have that as your walk-in song, I guess. Well, that's John, that's John Jones's walk-in song. Is it? <laughs> there we go, eh? There we go. Yeah, yeah. That inactive, I forgot his walk-out song. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that, I was just going to say that. That is true. I mean, he... He would always come out like different remixes to different to different songs and stuff like that. I just, you know, for me, I just don't understand why he just doesn't, you know, he just needs to go out and compete, man. Because I still think he's the greatest of all time. Um, but it's just a shame how the career has went towards the end of time. I mean, obviously, you've got to, you know, you've got to be able to sell yourself and say, listen, I, I want to make more money. But at the same time, if you want to make more money uh, fighting at heavyweight then you've got to, you know, you've got to fight and win impressively. And, you know, the last three fights, although they were wins by decision, you know, they you scratch those decisions. So in terms of the fans wanting to see him, of course, he, he's a massive draw. But in terms of the money you're going to get, you're not going to get the same level as McGregor, who, you know, he was competing and he was in the public eye the whole time because of how he would dominate opponents. And, you know... Uh, I hope it, obviously Conor McGregor can uh, can can come back as well. Um, but yeah, the, the, this is the stories in sports, isn't it? So um, whether athletes can come back from from their own particular demons and adversities and, and stuff like that. Sometimes they don't have the adversities of like John Jones has never had the adversity of losing a fight. So you know he's facing other adversities. Where, there's a few arguments where you can say, Do you know what, you lost that fight. And my first one would be against Santos. You, you could easily I, put Santos there. But on the other side of it, if you can't beat the champ convincingly, you've not beaten the champ, in my opinion. I think, yeah. I I, I, I used to think like that, funny enough. But at the end of the day, it, sh- it should be an equal playing field. At the end of the day, you can't just bias an, a, a, a decision on someone. Otherwise, there will never be a change of champion, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So... Uh, with the overall decision maybe um my internet just uh flipped up a little bit there so i paused it for a second yeah uh which part did you go up to sorry i've just been blabbing away haven't i if you don't win him convincing we will never uh change um champions oh yeah yeah right yeah 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 so i mean yeah it's like you know reyes uh won the you know, you could arguably say he won the first three rounds and lost the last two, but it's like, look, you look at the Oleg Shechuk decision with me, um, you know, um, I, you know, people, most people thought I won the first two rounds, but then they thought he won the last round. So again, maybe that's in the judge's eyes, like how, who puts the stamp on it at the, at the end of the fight? Cause that's the last thing that they saw. Right. So, 
you know, for Jones, maybe the last thing that the judges saw and they, the, but I don't know. But then if it's done round by round, then it should consistently come up to the point that they, what the judges see is uh, five separate rounds. They shouldn't see one fight. It should be five separate yeah. fights, if you like. F- five little mini fights, especially in the five rounders. In three rounds, it's three mini fights. And um, I'm, I listen to the fight disciples a lot, and they talk about judging um, scorecards and how they should be scored in do- um, duration, dominance, and damage. And that's how Mark Goddard is explained to them how it gets um, done. So if you've got... and. For me, I believe that John Jones does all three of them very well in every single fight, even though he might not win the end of the rounds or something. Over the course of the fights, over the course of the rounds, he does do it more often than his opponents. And he's always on the front foot. That's another thing. Uh, it, it was a big thing, that forward prep, and it still is right now, which is a little bit annoying because I think damage should trump uh, cage control all day. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, if you look at Jones and all of those fights, he's always a forward pressure fighter. So again, one round that goes either here or there would be for the forward pressure fighter, which again, in my fight, that was the freaking case. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the round where I landed the biggest differential and significant strikes, I ended up losing in terms of the eyes of the judges, which was the first round, which makes no sense. So this is what I'm saying, like, the judging, I think there needs to be more universal criteria. Like it seems like one judge says this and one judge says that. One judge thinks it's wrestling. One judge thinks it's striking. Why not all judges think the same thing? Then that way you have an even playing field. Uh, it, like, like, yeah, go on. Last, last weekend, uh, it was a split decision. One went 28-29. Let's take to fighter A because I can't remember who it was. The other went 29-28 to fighter B. And the other went 30-27 to fighter A. And I was like, how can you have three different, complete different scores in the same fight? I get, I, I'd get it if it was all three going to the same fighter, one putting it three nil, the other put two one, I'd get that. But to be, one to be two one to one and then three nil to the other, like, what, how can you score it the same? Yeah, it's, uh, mate, it's madness. It's obviously something that needs to get addressed, but at the same time, uh, we're just hope. Well, yeah, I think it's something that needs to get to, needs to get addressed. Like because clearly, it's it's you know it's it's ruining certain people's careers and records and fights just from just from one silly decision. Do you know what I mean? That 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 puts it the puts it the other way. So I mean, you know, like again, if I you know if I won that fight against Oleg Shaychuk, I'd probably still be in the UFC right now. So. But you know, I, like I say, I, I hold I hold no ill will because at the end of the day, I see it as a journey and as a as a path as a whole. Um, this is going to be the best for my development. Like every time I look forward and look back, I'm thinking, do you know what? I needed that in order to get this. Like the two losses earlier on in my career was needed for me to come become Cage Warriors champion. Now these three losses in the UFC are what I need to come back to the UFC and and take over. So I, I see it all. Take it in my stride. But yeah, I definitely agree that the judging should 
as universal it should be made a universal criteria so if you get a takedown that holds a particular weight on strikes hold a particular weight but it has to be the same they have to look at the fight the same way it can't be looked through a, a lens for one fight and without it for another do you know what i mean so is it pfl that i've got the judges scores going up after every round i believe so yeah they, no they do it live like yeah, that's what live, it means, live. yeah 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 so I, so as the fight goes on they do it, yeah I think that'd be great. Like in football, you've got the scoreboard up in the corner or in rugby, you've got the scoreboard. At any point, you can turn, have a look where you are in the fight. I think it'll make more exciting fights. People would go, wait a minute, I'm 2-0 down here going into the last round. I thought I won the last two rounds. I'm going to go out here and do I think... I agree. I, I agree. I, I agree. Fights, you'd get much more understanding to why the decision, uh, referees have made that decision. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think you'd get any no one going to referees' decisions in the end. It'd all be <laughs> knockouts and bonuses. Yeah, no doubt. I, I definitely agree with you. It would definitely make for more exciting fights. So I mean, look, the, the MMA scene scenery changes all the time. So who knows? Maybe maybe those things will come into fruition a little bit more. Um, one big talking point that has been going on uh, around the MMA recently is the kicks. Um, obviously, you were caught with an oblique kick yourself. Do you think that they should be banned? And I know no. you, you don't. I, I personally don't, but I've not been in a scenario where I'm injured from one. So, um, I mean, look, I've been injured, but I came into that fight with an injury. Yeah. Um, it just got exacerbated from the strike. Uh, he saw that I was putting too much weight on my on my front foot on the jab, so that was a technical thing that he did in order to negate my attack. Um, so again, that's strategy. Um, and again, it's like, mate, if they started banning loads of shit, then it's not really fighting it at the end of the day, is it? Like, you know, it's brutal because it's brutal. It's, it's fighting at the end of the day. You you know, you got to be able to defend yourself. So. I didn't defend that kick because I was jabbing. So fair play to him. He caught he caught the right timing. Sometimes it's all about timing and distance and all these other factors that are all a part of fighting. So if you take away that, then that just takes away all those attributes that someone may have, you know, in, in a fight. You know, so he d- he done a good job with that. So fair play to him. I can't say nothing about it. Yeah, it can hurt knees, but you see, then afterwards, loads of people would bloody attacking everyone's knees in the next couple of uh, UFC events. And as you can see, if you you know, if you hold your ground with particular shots or, you know, you don't have a knee injury or whatever, you can either move out the way or it doesn't, it doesn't have so much force or damage. Do you know what I mean? So it just happened, so happened that it was just the timing that people can't get the timing because I don't know if people saw that the first time Khalil tried that kick, he missed on me because I moved out the way. But because his timing was good on the second one, I got caught. Same like Michael Page. Um, not in terms of oblique kicks, but he does a blitz style. The first time he got knocked out by uh, Lima, he, he timed the kick. Again, if he would have kicked that one second later, he would have got hit with the right hand. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, which in the, in the second fight, you could see that uh, the timing was, was better on Page's part. He didn't let him get that kick on him. But, so, you know. Um, Page, uh, Page won that fight the second time. I will be honest, I don't. Yeah, I I don't, if, I'd... if that's anywhere else other than London, he doesn't <laughs> fight. And that's that's 
my opinion on that. Yeah, I, I think he got taken down. He didn't get back up. Um, Striking-wise, it was very even, like in terms of how many strikes they managed to land. So, yeah, I think I think it should have went into, into the direction of Lima, but take nothing away from Paige. He's obviously an amazing fighter and, you know, he's definitely going to be going on to, to do even more things in, in Bellator. But, yeah, I, I agree with you that he, you know, I, I think Lima won that fight. I think he should come to the UFC. I genuinely believe that he should test himself like like what uh, Chandler's doing. He was the paper, he was the front boy of Bellator, goes to the UFC. And listen, I'm 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 looking forward for Chandler Gaethje because I know there's going to be no backward steps in that. And as a fan, mm-hmm. that's what you want to see. You want to see, two. yeah. And they've got heavy hands. They might mm-hmm. be between one forty-five, one fifty-five, um, but heavy, heavy hands. Both of them, man. Both of them are tough as well, man. And both of them are good at wrestling. So, very interesting fight, obviously. Um, if you could make one rule for MMA, so if you could bring one rule into MMA, what would it be? For me, I'd love to see a headbutt in MMA. I think it'd be brilliant just to throw heads in there. Um, I would <laughs> say 12 to 6 elbows. Ooh. They're, they're nasty them as well. Yeah, I mean, like... They're they saying see one point and then they got banned. Am I right? They 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 put that rule in the twelve to six elbows because they saw someone breaking some ice or something, and they're like, "Oh no, we 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 can't do elbows like that now." Right. I think I think I, th- I think I think it was something like that. So I think realistically, that rule it it it, it doesn't make any difference. It's not gonna have any more or less damage than any other bloody strike. Uh, so either that or soccer kicks. So I think, you know, soccer kicks aren't allowed. I mean, look, if someone's if someone's keeping all their hands on the floor to have a an advantage because you can't hit them in the head, I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, so either soccer kicks to be allowed or, or 12 to 6 elbows to be allowed. Fair. I I I didn't know where you could go. I thought uh, it'd be like I say um, allowed to kick with a, uh, when they're down sort of thing. I, did, I don't know where where that would have gone. Um, yeah, see, we've seen the Sterling Petian sort of incident. Yeah, that's uh, the one that I was thinking about. That was the fight that came to mind when I thought about that. Yeah, um, and like obviously Sterling now is uh, apparently injured, but still putting photos up on him training. <laughs> yeah now that's what it seems like playing the mind games isn't it i mean but I, I don't know like at the end of the day you don't know what's going on behind the scenes maybe it's something medical because sometimes you can get medically unclear to fight from something so silly so you know at the end of the day we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but yeah at the same time i mean proper proper milking it at the same time you know what i mean but you know, uh, I think that fight will definitely happen. It's just, you know, when everyone, you know, is all on the same page, there's no other problems that go through, it will happen. It's, but it's mad because it seems like a situation the same, like uh, with the whole Habib and uh, and Tony Ferguson type deal where they had so many, and they never ended up fighting. So, but I know that they'll get it sorted. Obviously, the main concern is for Aljamain's health because. You know, if he is having some sort of serious underlying injury, uh, underlying condition, that's nothing to be played with, especially in a sport like this. So, you know, for the, the most we can hope for is that it gets all cleared up and then they can fight. Because I'll definitely want to see that fight. 
uh, the rematch to play for sure. So obviously, um, uh, sorry, you've just uh, been released for the UFC. Who would be that one fight in the UFC current roster now that you would love to fought in the 205 division then? Right now? Um, yeah. And I, don't, I, don't, I mean, those like you calling this person out or anything, just someone that you think, oh, that'd be a good little matchup, good little striker match could be. Um, on the- yeah, there was, there was a Romanian guy called Nico Negromono. Uh, he's he's quite good. I would have I would have liked to fought him. I would have liked to fought Carlos Ulberg. Um So you know, there's a there's a couple of different matchups there that I would have wanted wanted to have. Marcin Pracnio. So you know. there's a couple there's a couple of uh, fights that I would have liked to have had but when I come back next time I'm going straight like I want it to be a situation where Yuri Prohaska went in there and he literally just tore up the division as soon as he got in there that's the that's the impression I want to make when I come back so you got to be thankful for like I said you got to be thankful for situations like this because although it was shit <laughs> and you know it's not nice uh to, to to be in that situation at the end of the day it was what was needed i believe for me to be able to go out and get the most the best out of myself i need to prove myself so cool i'm good at proving myself i'm gonna do, go and do that yeah and i'll say you've done that in cage warriors you, you've done it in ufc as well to be fair and i think you're very hard hard done by and it's easy to say you are doing you, um, and it's easy for the UFC to go. Do you know what? Injury, blah blah, blah whatever. Go and recover, come back stronger. That I mean, they could see as a, um, a thing for you as well to have a couple of fights elsewhere after your recovery, and then come straight back. It might be one fight, and be like, yeah, come on and come back in. Um, we don't know what goes through their the matchmakers' minds either, do we? Um, and obviously the the business side of things. Um, talking of two or five, what have you? What do you think of the Costa Vittori incident that's going on at the moment? What the fuck is wrong with Costa? That guy is an absolute melt. Like, what <laughs> the hell? <laughs> like, on, on, honestly, man, you come into a, a one eighty five fight and you start getting mad at the guy that he's scared to fight you. Pissed the fuck off. Like honestly, that's like that's an insult to the other to to Vittori for blatantly not caring about making weight. Oh, we'll fight a catcher. Oh, now we've got to fight a two or five. What are you talking about, mate? I think they should take fifty percent of his purse away. I, I'm I'm very strong on this. Um, with weight cut being cut, weight cutting being um in my background sort of thing. There should be a rehydration clause for Costa. He should not be allowed to weigh anything more than two ten on fight day. At the very shut tell you what's difficult about that because they do take our weights on fight day, but they take your weights wearing all your clothes. They so maybe they need to put a protocol where you actually because obviously you drink a load of water in the morning and stuff like that because you need to say you need to save piss for drug tests right before fights. Yeah. So all of those factors obviously are going to make your weight go a little bit more than what it should be and and, and stuff like that. But yeah, no. I, I, look, if you could, but the point is he can't make the weight. Like he can't make you can't make he, he can't make the one eighty five weight limit. Like 
But f- when he goes into the press conference on a Wednesday, weighing in 211, laughing and joking, and then telling Vittori that it's up to him to make the fight, this is where I think I personally think the UFC should have gone, right, do you know what? 50% coming off you. you you're making 195, and after this fight, you cut. Mm, it yeah. It has to be cut after this, unfortunately, for me. And I also, I just hope nothing happens to Vittori in serious injury because I can guarantee you now Vittori's going to be walking around 195 right now, 193, 196 maybe. He will not rehydrate to 210, 211, whilst you can have Costa going rehydrating to 230. 100% he'll be yeah. 30 on fight day. Well, yeah, the thing with Costa is he's got quite a lot of muscle, so he literally yeah. can hold a lot of water in terms of the, you know, the percentages on his body, but which is why I think even on Fight Island, he he cut from like 205 pounds or 200 pounds or something. Like he cut like 20 pounds worth of water, which I think is horrendous. Like I, even doing a little water cut for me is like, you know, like you don't even want to go through through that. But to cut 20 pounds of pure water, not even body fat or anything like that, that's like, yeah, I, can't, I can't even, I can't even, in a, it, I can't even imagine that, but um, yeah. I've, I've, but again, I like to have it a, a, an athletic advantage. What fucking athletic advantage are you going to have from being heavier? Wow, you're going to be slower. Like I don't know. Like I yeah, think for the power side of it, and he's uh, after the first round. I think if Vittori goes through the first round, for me, I believe that you'll go on to win the fight. Yeah, but after yeah, that, you'll come out swinging because he's got the power behind him. Like, and I think. Vittorio will want this. Of course, of course. I, I think, but your muscles will probably get a bit more. If you do a real big cut, your lactic acid uh, buildup in your muscles will probably be a lot worse than for a guy that didn't cut so much weight. I mean, there's, to be fair, there's been different, ca- like some cases before, you've seen guys go five rounds and they've cut a fuckload of weight. So, but then again, I think bigger, higher weight classes find that a little bit more difficult in terms of the cardio just because. Obviously, the size differences. So lower weights probably don't feel that as much because they are lighter. So, yeah. mate, there's so many different. Obviously, you would know, but you would know best because you know, uh, you know, you're 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 the expert on those sort of things. But it seems like, in you know, in my opinion, like for, for example, I I, I don't I didn't cut any weight. Yeah. You know, I didn't I don't I didn't cut any weight in my uh in, in my last fight. I mean, and I looked the biggest. Weirdly enough, so it's yeah. like you know, do you re? Does it give you that much of a physical advantage if you can be near to your walk, like your fight weight as you're walking around? Maybe, maybe let's say give or take ten pounds or whatever, but and you can lift the same amount of lifts that you normally do. And so they actually did an experiment. They did a guy doing all of his weight, all of his stuff, uh, like all the tests before a weight cut, yeah. after a weight cut, but not rehydrated yet. And then afterwards, once he's rehydrated. So obviously the numbers went down massively after he'd uh, dehydrated himself as expected. But when he rehydrated himself, he was only off by one or two, like one, 1% or something. So it, it, you know, it, it really shows that like, I don't know, like maybe, no, maybe, maybe like you know, for me, I, I just, I just wouldn't want to cut that much, mate. You know what I mean? I think it's different from from person to person, obviously. Like I, I've seen some fighters cut silly weights, and I've not agreed with it because it's just 
sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? The kidneys as well. Do you know what I mean? Like the bodily, your your body's going to be looking horrendous by the time you get in. Like surely that doesn't, that would not affect you in a good way for later on in life. Do you know what I mean? And there's studies um, being made about this now with ex-fighters and stuff like that. Um, with their kidneys and stuff, as you mentioned, um, to see what the aftermath is of doing several weight cuts. Um, I don't, I'm not against it and I'm not for it, if that makes sense. I'm, I, if it's done, I've got no issues, but I see a lot of fighters now trying to, as you mentioned, get the advantage by cutting an extra kilo or two to rehydrate. Yeah. To be able to, and this is why I think there should be a, a slight rehydration clause. Uh, into all of it so maybe 10 percent from fight weight because obviously on fight week you've got to come in 10 to 8 percent cut so i think that should be also be the rehydration um and i as i said, just hope that the fight this week doesn't end badly uh, and make the ufc look bad because mm. if this goes pear-shaped they can go real bad but what what happens if um Costa's actually messing about and he actually turns up on the scales to, to uh, 185 and Vittori's a 205. What happens then? No, no, no. I, I know it wouldn't, can, you, can you imagine the mind games from Costa? Imagine but the that's, mind- that, 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 yeah, I'm just, but that would, but it's just, that would just be silly. Like, that would, like, I don't know, just like, you'll be almost playing too much games here. Like, I, I, I don't know, it's just like, I don't know. Like, like I said, I think the whole situation. I, th- I think the whole situation is stupid. Yeah. I think he's an absolute moron for 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 doing that. What he's doing, um, it clearly shows that it needs to be in the light heavyweight division. Uh, he did, he has no business being at middleweight. So you know, I think that's such a stupid thing. They should. It shouldn't be twenty percent. It should be fifty percent of his purse. You are booked for a middleweight fight and you came in at two you're coming in at 20 pounds heavier 50 percent of your purse for changing and for vittori to agree to it 50 percent 100 without without a doubt then we'll see if he wants to miss 10 percent of it on vittori's purse to costa asked vittori for 10 percent of his purse if he wants him to make weight that's absolute rubbish (laughs) um but it's one of them where as i say it all you can it all started with Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz did it first, and everyone didn't bat an eyelid. Yeah, it's Nick Diaz week. We're, we're okay with Nick Diaz, and everyone was fine with it against Robbie Laura because um, he changed from welterweight to middleweight. And we were all. That's weird. But what you got to understand is. He's an old. That was. The, well, and wasn't that done two weeks prior? On, on the Wednesday. They changed it on the Wednesday because Nick Diaz couldn't cut the weight. Right. Absolutely. Well, that that bloody changes everything. It, it's it's funny you say that because because yeah, I didn't bat. Well, I initially thought, why the hell are they find a one? Surely be. But then I thought, oh well, Robbery Lawler probably is is the same sort of uh, yeah. sort of weight. So maybe maybe he's fine with it. So yeah, no, it's it's weird, man. No, I, I thought the same, and I looked back because uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, one of my clients, and I said, Nick Diaz did it as well. And they're like, yeah, but it was it was a few weeks before. And I was like, no, it was on fight week, 100%. And we looked back and it was like, it was on the Wednesday press conference that they came out. Um, yeah. And obviously there, Robbie Lord obviously won. Um, but yeah, it, it I just so, you know, I think there should be more protocols and do's and don'ts, if you like. And also the judge, yeah. 
judging as well, as we mentioned. Um, I'm going to add your YouTube uh, clip and everything um, to the notes and stuff. Uh, but how can people find you? Yeah, so uh, on Instagram, it's uh, at Baltic Gladiator. Same with Twitter. Um, and on Instagram, just t- again, type in my full name, Modestus Bukowskis. I think it comes up more like straight away when, when you type in my name. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. And my WhatsApp number is... No, I'm joking. You're on uh, TikTok and everything as well, aren't you? Again, Baltic Gladiator for TikTok as well. So it's good how that sort of name, running with that name, has sort of created my uh, social media accounts as well. So it's good in, in that sense as well. There's no one else that can take it. You know what I mean? There's no one else. It's not like a, a common username, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent, man. It, it, it's good. It's like I said, it's got a catchy ring to it. So I'm, I'm definitely running with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but as I say, I'll be uploading um some clips onto TikTok and YouTube and stuff as well. So uh, I'll tag you into it. I'll tag the um, and then it. I'll repost everything. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. Um, as I say, I'll mm. um, put into the show notes and stuff everything, all your um handles if you like. Um, but thank you very much uh, for coming on. And giving me your time. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've had a real good time talking to you. Um, obviously, we've covered a load of different topics. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much for uh, inviting me to, to, to come speak with you. Like I say, I really appreciate it. No problem at all. And I say, I hope to recovery. Um, and we see you back in the ring very, very soon. The Octagon, sorry, obviously not the ring. Uh, very, very yes. soon. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you very much. Nice one, mate. Thank you. Thank you.